This is the Green Business Podcast Show here on EPN. And now your host, Eric Dye. This is Eric Dye, and once again, welcome to the Green Business Podcast Show here on EPN, your channel for better informing you how to green your business, hear how others have made their business green, bring awareness to a green economy, and the advantages it brings to your community as a whole. Today, we're joined by Mr. Dan Miller, the founder of Steward and the co-founder of Fundrise. Steward provides access to flexible financing and expert support services for agricultural businesses looking to scale their operations, improve the health of their lands, and bolster local food systems. And Mr. Miller, thanks for joining us here today on the Green Business Podcast Show. Thanks for having me. You're certainly more than welcome. Our pleasure to have you with us here today. So if you would, for starters, tell us about yourself, your background, and how your childhood actually impacted what you're doing now and what's your inspiration. Let's start there. So I've, I've always been, I grew up in commercial real estate from one side and agriculture on the other. So I very much ended up uh, where it started. But through that, I learned um, and was always around really dynamic, really creative projects. Uh, my father was a real estate developer who was always pushing the envelope. And I learned about what it took to raise the type of capital and financing for non-traditional projects, projects that were really important, but didn't necessarily fit the normal mold. And so when I started my first business, which was a real estate development company doing uh, small scale historic rehab with restaurants and local tenants in Washington, D.C., I came across those frustrations of not finding capital that aligned with me as an entrepreneur that was really interested in building a quality project for local community as opposed to just a cookie cutter chain. And so through those efforts, tried to figure out, well, how else can I raise capital and find people who want to support these projects but have values alignment? And that led to the creation of Fundrise, which was the first real estate crowdfunding platform, but was really created to allow us as real estate company to raise money from local residents online. And so that really opened me up to the world of how do you raise money online? How do you navigate complex and arcane regulations to, to market investments to people? And Fundrise went from you know a scrappy platform we created on our own now to a business that has over 400,000 investors, over 4 billion raised, all direct, all from retail, all to invest in real estate through the platform. Fundrise was growing. That's my agri- uh, real estate side of the family. And then I had been reconnecting with the agricultural side. That's my mother's family from the Eastern shore of Maryland. They've been farming there six generations. I grew up in Washington, DC. She left the farm, but we kept closed ties there. And I saw the, the deterioration and just kind of challenges of those rural communities you know, side by side with Washington, D.C., which was booming and forever booming. And I saw that the health of land was deteriorating. The value wasn't going to regional producers, that it was a commodity of just a few monocultures in the region. And so I started learning more about agriculture. I started meeting uh, producers who were focused on farming with soil health and the ecology of the land as paramount and started to learn about the financing system for agriculture and all the incentives that that push people towards large-scale commodity, chemically-driven agriculture. And so I had this knowledge about how to raise money online from alternative sources. I saw a real need with sustainable agriculture and farmers who were doing things differently for capital, and I thought they have a great story that people want to buy into. And so Steward was the, the creation of that business, of a platform that lets people, as little as $100, provide financing to regenerative farms across the country from you know, livestock ranches to fruit and vegetable farms, urban farms to rural to oyster farms, really all types of producers who are focused on doing things the right way, focusing on nutrient health, focusing on health of themselves and ecosystem. 
which at the end of the day makes a great product. And that's that's the real change is that consumer demand wants to buy traceable quality agricultural products, but the producers who are making those things have no access to capital. Well, I'd say that's quite a background and also impressive. And we're certainly thankful for all of your efforts here as well. Tell me also what actually inspired you to pivot from real estate crowdfunding with Fundrise to focusing on regenerative agriculture with Stuart. Uh, talk to us about that. So the, the, the genesis of both was connected of how do we find alternative sources of capital, you know, tell a new story and find a new audience of people to to fund things um, and using the internet as a way to broadly, you know, broadcast that opportunity and find and build new networks. For real estate, the focus of my, the types of projects I was always interested in were the, the creative, non-traditional, you know, impactful projects, historic restoration, local tenants, you know, appropriate scale and design. And I found that as I was spending more time in the real estate industry, those, those types of values matter they mattered less you know a very small percent of that industry really cares about the provenance and the building materials the energy utilization of the whole supply chain and so i i I felt myself like i just wasn't as engaged in the projects in the same way you know yes they're real estate deals but the, the kind of underlying projects were as we were growing becoming less impactful from my perspective and really less motivating and so it was during that time that i was reading a book called the unsettling of america by wendell berry who I would recommend you know anyone to read. He's a American author, you know, famous agrarian author, multi-generational family farmer in Kentucky, but also lived and taught in New York for a few years. And so really speaks so well to the urban rural divide and the policy constructs that have created the agricultural system as we know it today and, and the, the ways things could be different. And so I read that in 2015. It really touched me deeply around um, understanding why things were as they were in agriculture and the need of creating alternatives for producers and people to get out of that commodity system. And so that was a real motivation for me to say, okay, I have this expertise and knowledge around financing, around alternative capital, around real estate related businesses. Now let me apply that in a way that connects to my roots and my mother's family and farming, but enables a different type of agriculture, enables those producers who are we're really uncompromising on how they're growing things and what they're growing and who they're selling it to, giving them a chance to thrive. And so it's been the, the, the kind of connection of family history, of personal knowledge and experience. And now every day, I mean, I'm working with amazing producers with great stories who have everything into this, who are doing work that's very important, but that isn't valued or at least isn't provided for in our society. And I, I find so much meaning in that. Um, and when I get stuck in real estate deals here and there, I realize how lucky I am to now work in a sector where, you know, profit and economics are not the motivating factor for these people that I'm working with and that we're helping. And that it means a lot that there are other things they're valuing and they're working towards than just the economics of their business. Yeah, I can certainly understand where you're coming from there. Thanks for giving us some feedback there as well. Now, if you would, discuss the challenges small-scale farms face when seeking traditional financing and how Stewart addresses these issues. I'm sure listeners would appreciate some details on that. So the, the ag financing market is a very divided market. You have the policy-driven market that drives large-scale commodity production sold through global supply chains to multinationals. And that's where most agriculture is. If you're in that market, you have crop insurance, you have various subsidies, you have price supports, you have low cost capital, 
You have a lot of policy-driven incentives to keep to, to funnel money towards those organizations to at least support them and and provide some guardrails. So you know maybe those farms aren't making that much; they're getting squeezed by the multinationals for sure. But they've got some base level of support, which lets people you know lets the traditional banks lend into it and get guarantees and feel comfortable. So they've tried to kind of remove a lot of the variability and risk out of the system and just provide a baseline of support. There's, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars of farm debt and financing that looks just like that, that's built through those kind of commodity systems. The second you're outside of that market, you're focused on regional supply chains, non-traditional or niche varieties, you know, not just the classic big commodities, uh, value-added processing, value-added products, uh, then you're on your own. There's really almost no capital available to those producers. The traditional products that are built for large commodity don't fit well for that types of producer. Those regional banks, local banks that were handshake, you know, deals that they show in movies don't exist anymore. That that world's gone. And there's just a lack of alternatives. And so you have these types of producers who are growing the things that consumer demand wants, that is actually driving demand, but unable to get capital because they don't plug into the normal financing system and the other alternatives aren't there. And so what is so unique about Stewart is we're building a new source of capital purpose-built for these regenerative farms and that alternative supply chain that they're building by going out to individuals and people online who can aggregate their funding and provide financing to these projects. So we're able to provide financing at a very fair cost of capital around prime borrowing rates, which for you know scrappy small-scale ag businesses or even any ag businesses is, is fairly good pricing. And then that funding is being raised directly from individuals who buy into the project, they care about it, they're engaged with it, who are supporters of them. And it's that direct link of, it isn't just anonymous capital. It's not just like selling your product in an unknown supply chain. It's a direct relationship to the person who's providing the capital to you. And that same relationship of buying and selling agricultural products, same with the capital of when you have those direct customer relationships, you really build something beyond just the commercial exchange. And so what's unique about us is we have a different form of funding than anyone else. So we can do things and be flexible and take risks on projects that that otherwise get ignored by the traditional system. Really do appreciate your visit with us here today. We're speaking with Mr. Dan Miller, the founder of Steward and the co-founder of Fundrise. Steward provides access to flexible financing and expert support services for agricultural businesses looking to scale their operations, improve the health of their lands, and bolster local food systems. And he's joined us here today on the Green Business Podcast Show, a part of EPN, the Enterprise Podcast Network. Now, continuing on, White Oak Pastures is an impressive example of the impact Steward can have. Are there any other standout success stories or projects you'd like to highlight here as well? There's so many that I feel passionate about. We've funded over 90 farms to date. That's over $30 million total funding. Uh, one of the first projects we funded that I, I just love this story, they called Fisheye Farms. They are urban farm in Detroit. This is when we were still doing very small farms. I'll talk about some of the bigger ones later. But this was uh, on a tenth of an acre of land. They were farming the vacant lot next to their uncle's dry cleaner. We helped them buy two acres of land from the Detroit Land Bank. Ab- abandoned land, trash-strewn land that they cleared up, fenced, put some irrigation on, started growing fruits and vegetables. Went from 5000 in revenue to 130000 in three years with direct sales on farm to local residents in a food desert and supplying local restaurants and really showing that you could improve land, 
bring kind of dynamism and fresh food within a community that had struggled for options and pay a return and grow a business at the same time. And it's just an example of changing people's perception. You know, Detroit has thousands of acres of vacant land that that they're trying to figure out what to do with. And in reality, bringing agriculture to it is a great way to improve it and provide value out of it and restore the landscape. And so that was a great example of me of the the kind of economic growth alongside ecological improvement. And just this past week, we financed a business called Old Salt. We provided a $6 million loan, so much bigger, out of a total $9 million financing package. And this shows that even the big producers are still getting squeezed and struggle with the commodity system. It's Old Salt is a Montana-based livestock processor and direct-to-consumer brand. It's a three fifth-generation ranching families that have come together to integrate their own direct meats brand because they each had their own small brand, but 90% of their cattle was still getting sold wholesale at the auction, and they're not getting the value of their land stewardship. So they've created this business, Old Salt, that will do slaughter, value-added processing, direct consumer sales with a restaurant and butcher shop in downtown Helena. Producer and employee-owned, so owned by producers, controlling the animal product all the way from the land, all the way to the final finished sale. Across the three founding ranchers, they have 200,000 acres of land. So these are large operations, but they're still getting squeezed by the big meat packers. But part of this model is, is opening it up to others. And so it's a network-driven model where more producers can join this business, sell under the shared brand, use that infrastructure, and keep the meat raised in Montana available and sold to residents within the region. And so it's a great example of producers taking back control of their supply chain and building a direct market and providing a better product that people are excited about, but also showing that we can bring more income to these enterprises to sustain their land and sustain their livelihoods. And so we funded, you know, quarter acre farms and we funded 200,000 acre ranchers and they, they both have the same challenges. Certainly some interesting information there, and it is also quite awesome how you were able to help in these regards mentioned as well. Now, with Steward being the first ever crowd farming platform, what have been the major learning curves or unexpected challenges in this space? I'm sure you have probably a few you could share in that regard. There's a lot of learning in this space. I think providing capital to regenerative farms, you know, these types of non-traditional agricultural enterprises, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of work doing underwriting, diligence, sourcing, servicing. So it's a very underfunded sector. Sector It's undercapitalized or understaffed. And so where I was in real estate before, you know, real estate companies tend to have access to capital. There's a lot of money available in the market. We created a new niche with the online fundraising, but there, there's a lot of professional organizations that have capital and resources. The second you're in our market, the kind of alternative ag, scrappy enterprises. They have no administrative staff, no backend, no nothing. They don't have time to prepare complete business plans and projections. And so we just have to step in there with them, just work with them on where's your business at? What can we help you to get organized? What type of financing can you sustain? What should we start with today? And so it's been a very collaborative process with all these projects of getting to know them, figuring out what they need and doing the hard work. Uh, without without like a roadmap to follow. And, you know, 2016 is when this business began. We've learned an enormous amount then. And by specializing in this of just, just financing regenerative farms and raising that capital direct from our audience, we've built a really special business that that is unique in what it can provide and, and clearly also providing a positive impact. And, th- and that's my interest, which is how can we use these new forms of fundraising to bring 
capital into projects that are the needed ones, that are the high impact ones, but the ignored ones. Just one more question before we conclude things here today on the Green Business Podcast Show. Thank you all who have tuned in here today. Uh, Finally, uh, looking towards the future, Mr. Miller, how do you see Stewart evolving and what are your goals for supporting more regenerative farms in the coming years? The the market's growing very quickly. I mean, I started in 2016. I think at that point I used the term sustainable. And And it's really not about labels. It's about focusing on soil health, focusing on nutrition, focusing on shorter supply chain, fair wages. So it's, it's a different framework of thinking. So it's, it's, it's less about the term than, than the methods. But that type of agriculture is what people are interested in, what people are learning about. And so there's been enormous growth in the amount of people who are getting into this. Finally, an uptick in the number of farmers and younger farmers entering. There's a lot of people with capital who are hoping to put money towards things that are more values aligned. And so when we started, it was definitely a very niche enterprise. Every year it's growing. Two years ago, we did $6 million of loans. Last year, $10 million. This year, it'll be about 20. I think we'll be doing $100 million loans in 24 months. And so my goal with this is that we're supporting hundreds of thousands of farms around the country, tens of millions and billions of dollars flowing through them. And more importantly than just the numbers is that those farms are actually thriving. Those communities are thriving, that they're able to sustain their livelihoods run successful enterprises, commit themselves to the land, and prove that there is resilience and viability in regional regenerative agriculture, and that there are alternatives to the way that we're doing agriculture today. Certainly appreciative of what you're doing here, your efforts, your vision here. I can't say enough of it. It certainly will have impact looking years ahead. And again, thanks for joining us here today. If you would tell us what your website is, where listeners can get further details on Steward and how they could be in touch as well as needed. Absolutely. They can go to our website, gosteward.com, G-O-S-T-E-W-A-R-D.com. And if anyone wants to email me, they can email me at dan at gosteward.com. Always listening to people who've got projects, who've capital, finding a way to bring more people into the market. Again, listeners, for more details, visit GoSteward.com. Mr. Miller, all the best. And again, we thank you for joining us here today on EPN. Thank you. Again, we've been speaking with Dan Miller, the founder of Steward and the co-founder of Fundrise. Steward provides access to flexible financing and expert support services for agricultural businesses looking to scale their operations, improve the health of their lands, and bolster local food systems. And again, for all the details, visit GoSteward.com. And this is Eric Dye, and you've been listening to the Green Business Podcast Show here on EPN. Tune into our live location as we are streaming live 24-7 around the world at epodcastnetwork.com forward slash live. You can also find our live stream on iTunes Radio and TuneIn Radio as well as the TuneIn Radio app for your listening convenience. And as always, we thank you for your support and for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Green Business Podcast Show here on EPN. For more information or to subscribe to this podcast, visit epodcastnetwork.com. This is the ePodcast Network.